Hello, this is Merle Rutledge on the 2021 um, governor's candidate for Virginia, running for the Republican nomination. Yeah, I was up this morning, um, and I had a weird dream, you know. And when you say something powerful, you know, and a lot of people catch hold to it, and I could tell this dream wasn't, you know, just any ordinary dream, you know. I saw myself like in the garden, like back home in uh, Pennsylvania County. And I was going to get some fruit. And while I was in the garden, I ran into a farmer. And I went to a certain area of the garden because I was trying to get some bananas. I don't know why. And it appeared to be a dead snake near the bananas. Now... I didn't think too much of it because there were bananas over there. I was looking around like, but it's that so I'll go down because it looked dead. And you know, you're not supposed to mess with a snake, even if it looks dead. But I have a fearless attitude. So I'm like, okay, I came here to get bananas. Saw some great cucumbers, everything that I would love to eat in this garden. And soon as I go down, I start seeing the snakes start to move a little bit. And the father's like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And he picks it up. And the snakes start moving all over the place. And then I see the hood open. It's a cobra. I'm like, what's a cobra doing out in Pennsylvania County? I'm just here to get some bananas. I'm like, this snake is not even supposed to be in the United States of America. So... Now it's moving around, so I back up and and I trip and fall backwards, and the snake starts going haywire, and it starts getting closer and closer to me, and the farmer's trying to stop it and trying to pick it up by its tail, and now the snake is starting to get aggressive. Now it's starting to strike, and it's getting. Closer to the farmer, and then starts heading closer and closer into my direction. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? I'm like, now I'm backing up a little bit, and the snake is getting closer and closer and closer to me. It's almost there, and it's still striking. Um, and the farmer picks it up by both ends. And then the snake still breaks free and drops back to the ground. I'm still on the ground at this time period. Hadn't gotten up. I'm, and the snake is a, is This snake is big. It's like not big in length. But I mean big in length. But not big in width. But it's a lot bigger than I thought. So eventually it gets closer. It gets closer. It gets closer. And soon as it got to range. It bites me. Immediately, I wake up. And I can tell immediately, you know, I didn't wake up in fear. I woke up in strength. And I said, what? I'm waking up. I was like, you know, when you first waking up, you're trying to get some understanding of the dream and the nightmare. You're just trying to make sure first, this ain't reality. You know, and then I immediately thought about um, 
why I wrote last night. And why I wrote last night was actually, you know, not scripted. It was just like, this was coming together. And I was like, wow, you know, certain things that is put on you, you know, to just put out there. Cause normally I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a Christian, but I ain't the perfect Christian. But I say what's on my mind, regardless of the situation. That has always, always been me. If I feel compelled to say it, I'm going to say it. That's just me. You know, it doesn't change, you know, because I think, oh, hold on. You know, this is um, too religious. You're on a campaign, you know. And, like, throughout my campaign, I give all things to God. My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, you know, even from the good and the bad, you know, I always put it in his hands. And I knew at this point, I was like, wow, you know, what did I say or do for a snake to come that aggressive at me and be in a place where, one, I expected to be, but not in an area I was expected to be. And I said, you know what? It, the devil got my message because I was catching him. I was catching it, you know. I was catching him where he was expecting it. And when I came out and said what I said, you know, you felt threatened. The devil felt threatened because it was clear. Because this is the message I said last night. And I had wrote this out the blue. It just came to me. And this is what I said. I said, fellow... Republicans and Christians, pay attention, including Liberty University President Jerry Falwell, the 5th District of Virginia, Denver Riggleman, Virginia in its entirety, and the USA. I said, we are being attacked from every direction, and Facebook isn't doing us no favors. Our country and our existence depends on this election for 2020. We must elect strong conservatives all over this country in November. There's a tidal wave of blue rats coming out of every sewer, and we need to seal it everywhere it comes. If Republicans are being attacked, we need to fiercely fight back. Illegal immigration and socialism isn't the only democratic objective. It's destroying our bloodlines and all springs. The message from Democrats is that we don't want you to reproduce because they want to create a new society in America. Destroy us from the inside and attack Republicans. If you play chess, look at the board on who Democrats are attacking, like the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, President Trump, and those that don't let slide through hypocrisy. The Democrats like Virginia Governor Nordstrom and Lieutenant Governor Fairfax are pawns that they don't mind putting out front in their civil war with America. When the British wanted to take back America, they came in from outside this country. The good thing about current Republicans and conservatives has showed liberals how they failed. Don't ever give up your guns or your country. Remind the Democrats that history will repeat itself if they do. 
If Democrats keep destroying the church in the Bible, we need to stay ready to be the red flood of reality and truth. Why do you think they are trying to get us to accept by forcing their agenda? Why do you think they are trying to have citizens accept doing everything against God's will? You see the punchlines and the gimmicks. Look at the trans bathroom policy. They took the Bible even out the VA hospitals. We can't even say Merry Christmas without discrimination being discussed. They are now trying to take away in God we trust. Who else would want to take all this away and do it in silence? The devil and his democratic angels. For those Democrats that are not aware of this, then Google how many times that God is being taken out of our way of life. You will be shocked and know that you're being used. People from all parties to include spiritual leaders, we need to wake up. Why do you think Democrats are attacking President Trump? It's because he is putting God and country first. For all those that was brought up in the Christian church and everything we was taught in the church, Democrats are asking for it to be destroyed or vilified. As your Virginia governor, I'll never let it happen without a fight. Your religious freedoms will always be protected, and you have a fundamental right to be a practicing a faithful Christian in America and Virginia. The doors of the church and Bible will remain open as God intended in Virginia. Hashtag mega, make America great again by Merle Rutledge, GOP, Virginia governor's candidate 2021. This is what I wrote before I went to sleep last night. And it let me know I was getting to the devil. And this morning I woke up with an extra burst of energy, but it reminded me, it reminded me that it is so important for me to be in this race. I'm not running a perfect line telling people I'm not perfect. And... We have a duty and a reminder to ourselves to not only put God and country first, but we need to also put that in our lives. But don't put too much pressure on being perfect because we all sin. But we used to have this thing, you know, where we knew even in what we do, we was always reminded that we was going against God. Now we are trying and society, especially if Democrats have their way, to forget that God even exists. It's the same thing as taking away monuments, landmarks, and more. Is trying to forget that these things exist. So there's no knowledge of it, no knowledge itself, and no knowledge of where you come from. It's almost like in slavery, you are forget that slavery existed. If you take away everything that lets you know it happened. And now I believe I'm really hitting on something. You know, I'm really, really, it's really working on me. Sometimes God works on people in mysterious ways. You can't tell me that ain't mysterious. But I'm all good. I want people to know I survived the bite. 
it didn't rattle me too much. I'm still stronger than I am ever today and lets me know I'm doing one hell of a job against a situation of bad leadership, liberal policies. It's opening my eyes to see exactly what's been caused. All the drama, all the chaos, and we got good strong Christian conservatives. We have Republicans, and we have those who believe in just because you believe a certain way, don't force us to believe a certain way. We have our religious freedom, but now we've been attacked just for believing God and being Christians. Doesn't that say a lot about what's going on right now in modern America? And then you have Democrats on stage and the rest saying, oh, they're not even mentioning you know, I'm here and thankful for this opportunity because God made it happen. They won't even say it. And we all been brought up in the church, you know, for the most part in America. And we know in church what those pastors and more in the Bible, God's word was saying about things going on in America. And when he would come back and what he would do, if it keeps going into a certain direction, he would flood the planet and start back over. That's why a lot of Christians are seeing it. You know, now we are being forced to accept things. If we don't personally uh, agree with the gay lifestyle or transgender or kids being a drag show or men going into the little girl's bathroom. Now we are being attacked. You know, we have people in society who have made statements against gays. Now they are being attacked for being homophobic by the very people who have made the same statements in the past, because guess what? You went to the church. That was part of what was brought up in the church. <laughs> you know, you would get kicked out the church because God's word was the utmost and the most powerful. And God was in the Bible tells you, yes, you got to live in the word, uh, world, but you got to also know that your number one playbook is right there for everybody to see and read the Bible. And now they're attacking the playbook. So our morals are being devalued. Our values are being devalued by a political party that's doing the devil's work. Now, it doesn't mean we kill and destroy those who live in a different lifestyle as us, but they also knew they was living in sin. Now, they don't even know that they are living in sin. So after a while, where's the limitation on what, what is right and what is wrong? Living in sin, you knew that. So you always had that conviction. But now as you take away that, now what other limitations are going to go? It's opening up the door for pedophilia. It's opening up 
the door for the devil. It's opening up the door to say, you're not living in sin, even though you're doing all this against God's word. So guess who you're living with? You're living in hell in his fire. And you're doing everything that the devil wants you to do because you no longer are being reminded that you're living in sin. But you're just taken away. If you talk, start taking away and God we trust in more, you're now trying to remove God's word in the world. So it's so important for parents when raising your kids and more. That's how we was. We were brought to, in the church. Now, we didn't do everything perfect. Nobody's perfect. But we had a, a strong foundation of right and wrong, morals, values, um, being reminded, you know, and instructed and guided throughout life on not only how to survive in this world, but to also save your soul when leaving this world so you could be with your uh, your God, whoever you choose. And there's no religious book that encourages death and destruction to um, innocent people by your own hands because God in most um, uh, Bible, whether it's Quran or whatever, you, uh, the wages of sin is death. That was, um, that was, that's, that line was a reminder that if you keep going in a certain direction, then expect the short life while being here and then expect the consequences once you leave here. I can tell you, I wrote that long message yesterday. It's on Facebook right now, you know, and I thought it was so important. I sent it out there. I've been, uh, I planned on going back because yeah, there's some things I like to uh, enhance in what I wrote, but sometimes you don't touch it. If you can understand and get it, sometimes God puts it in the way so of people to know what you mean. And sometimes he puts it into you to put it out there to the world to let them know you are from what you're running for and what you're representing. A powerful testimony of his word. And I can tell you, you know, getting up this morning, you know, I feel a lot different, uh, a lot differently. But I feel better. I feel like it was something that had to happen. If it was going to happen to anybody, it had to happen to me. And it lets me know, you know, God is real. You know, if you can write that and then go sleep that night and know that the devil got woken up. And you woke him up because he was doing his work in silence. He was doing it through the flesh of everybody else doing his work. And then to know you one of God's soldiers. God didn't say I had to be polite. I can say that part. But I do understand that some people are put in those positions with those gifts to be strong enough and have the backbone. And the conviction to move forward and also represent him as they move on with life and their goals and their careers. So for all those who are struggling, 
with what the world is starting to become. You just have to remind yourself and be strong in your conviction and your morals and values to know that God comes first in all things. And this sounds like a prayer within an episode, but it sounds like what a lot of people need to hear this morning. So while you're heading to work and you think the world is, you know, on your back, your boss is on your back and, um, you know, co-workers is getting on your nerves or you having a struggle right now, you know, making a decision that can impact your life. You need to know that God comes first and what he will have you to do needs to be done. And don't worry about all that trials and tribulations and all that other stuff that comes with it. You know, it comes with the territory. I can tell you that. And what you just saw this morning, uh, I mean, what I said this morning, hopefully sticks to a lot of people that now the devil hasn't been silent. He's been very busy and he knows who to try to go after. And sometimes you wake him up and that's exactly what you're supposed to do for God's soldiers is wake them up. And obviously it's telling them to make a decision, you know, moving forward that will impact the world in a big way. It's not, just Russia interfering in the elections. It's the devil interfering in the elections. You just got to be awake and see it. And you know it. And that's why so many people are so concerned. That's why so many people are sick around you. That's why so many people are struggling around you and more. Because that's exactly what happens when you spend your life just accepting sin and not knowing that you're sinning and going against God. And that's exactly what the devil wants for you to act and build. What's wrong is now the right. So that's my morning. You know, it's kind of serious. I know anybody listening to me right now is thinking a lot on what my dream meant and then hearing what I wrote prior to that dream. It's deep. It's deep. But that's my message this morning because, you know, I just recorded this right after the dream because once I put it together, I'm very good at connecting the dots. And I knew I connected that one. So, y'all have a good morning. And, you know, be encouraged and uplifted. And just know that the devil will not get in your way today, but you know that is working is magic around you and when that happens something big for us for god's soldiers is going to happen in their life something major that is going to be in god's will that's what happens whenever the devil finds out that god is working on somebody um, against the devil of course it's going to come back hard it's going to come back strong. And like I said, for me, I'm ready any day, any way, anyhow, any place, even in the devil's backyard. 
There's nothing going to stop me. That dream just said, basically, I took and absorbed the hit, and I'm still walking. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. My eyes still open. God still gave me air into my lungs. So that just means, basically, to those who think they're going to get in my way, obviously the devil has failed. Once again, God has won. Once again, and guaranteed, I plan on making sure the devil pays for exactly what he has caused. And that means, if you know me well enough, that means somebody's going to get it. And that's whoever God points me in their direction to get them to change. And right now, that's why I'm running in this election, because God wants me to go ahead and make sure I correct all this foolishness out there in Richmond. That's the message. Richmond, Virginia, Virginia, United States, all over this country. We have this liberal crap that's going on. And it's time for us to be strong enough to know that we need to be directly on time placing that vote and saying that y'all devils will not take over our government and y'all devils will not be invited into our home one way or the other. That's why they're trying to take your guns. Why? That's why they're trying to take your protection. They're trying to take your defense. And I can tell you, I don't care if it's domestic or foreign terrorists, terrorists in the sewer, terrorists from hell. We will not be giving out white flags of surrender on God's will. And that's what I got to say about that. And that's the bottom line because Merle Rutledge says so. Hello, this is Merle Rutledge on the 2021 GOP Republican candidate for governor looking for the primary nomination for Virginia. Um, today, we're going to discuss the situation about how Merle Rutledge feels about chairmen and the suppression of free speech. And how does he address it? You know, he's on the campaign trail. You know, he's going place to place, city to city, town to town, county to county. And he has some resistance from some chairmen, you know, in these particular areas. And social media has been a buzz about the fact of this ongoing feud that's been going back and forth uh, between the Merle Relish campaign as well as these chairmen. Like, for example, Jerry Mayfield, uh, the Harrisonburg um, City Republican Party, um, Jennifer Brown of the 6th District, um, other type of districts that may be involved in the blackballing a little bit, but at the same time frame, what does he do, you know? And how does he handle it? How does he address it, you know? And for me, I call myself the people's champion, you know? If you want to run a losing campaign and you feel like your skin is too thin to handle any kind of 
uh, obstacle or criticism or those who are trying to attack you for no good reason or send those to attack you for no good reason. You know, you got to see how you can take advantage of it. Um, to me personally, I'm the one running for leadership, so I can't be that much of a follower. So if I'm going to uh, be on the campaign trail and I'm dealing with this opposition, I got to burn that bitch right on down. Now, a couple of chairmen have said you're banned from speaking because of your tough language. We feel that um, it doesn't go towards our ideals or our core values and all this other stuff. But I'm discussing the ideals and core values, but I'm discussing it my way, my way to address voters so that they can understand and resonate with the fact of how these different policies or issues you know, are not good for them. But at the same time frame, you can be up underneath a chairman's ass all you want to. They don't like you. They don't like you just like ordinary people. There are some people who won't like you no matter who you are. You could be the nicest person. You could be the most compassionate person. You could be the most vicious person, whatever you want to be. Some people just don't like you for you. It doesn't matter what you have to say. doesn't matter how much you try to go ahead and, you know, throw out an olive branch or whatever you want to call it to try to build a discussion or a rapport or a dialogue um, with somebody. They are, they are pretty much set on. I'm not going to allow this guy to get into this um, race and take over. And that's a personal issue. You know, that's somebody's cross the burn, you know what I'm saying, or a burden to carry. And for me personally, you know, when my campaign manager, you know, and it's going to be quite a few of them, you're like, you know, you just pissed somebody off because they're banning you from speaking at this location. They're banning you from speaking at this location. And it's going down a grapevine a little bit. But the consistent thing I told him, who is banning me? Is it the members banning, banning me or is it a chairman acting unilaterally and saying, since I don't want you there, you know, then it ain't going to happen. I say, you know what? Let's use this situation for our advantage. Remember, our campaign has never been about the easy way. It's been about the hard way. Did you expect me to just come in and just run over everybody and you know, get everything handed to me. You know, if I need a milkshake, I can get a milkshake for everybody. If I want an ice cream cone, I can get an ice cream cone for everybody. No, this is what's expected. This is part of this business, you know. So I said to myself, you know what? If it's one person doing it, that means it's a lot of people around them that don't like what this person is doing. They just not either get called out on it or when they did get called out on it, they took all that criticism and all that, you know, excommunication or whatever it may be. And they just changed up for them because guess what? They were thin skinned. They didn't have what it takes. They decided to start a fire and then put it out real quickly. Nobody gets respect that way. If you know, I could go ahead and come to you when you're deciding to go ahead and spread bad rumors or gossip or um, I don't like what you say and I could just go ahead and criticize you and brush you underneath the rug. That's what I'm going to do, you know, 
And then I'm going to enjoy the fact that I got this power over you because you're still here. You're still a member. And you learn to shut up when I tell you to shut up. That's what those chairmen have done. Basically, to the point they have gotten themselves to say, whatever I say goes. That's good enough for you in your arena, you know. But my thing is, like when I spoke about Jay, uh, Jeffrey Mayfield, I was like, how many members do you have that regularly go see a meeting? Like 25 to 30. I couldn't, I was almost, couldn't help but laugh. Now, mind you, you know, I have at least spoke to 500 people that are Republicans in your area. And you saying only 30 is showing up. That says to me, a lot of people are fed up of your bullshit. So I told my campaign manager, I said, we're going to attack. Forget all that stuff. If he wants to say this and that, that show everybody what this person is about. So they can learn that you can't blackball the Republican Party or its candidates. If they going to burn themselves, let them burn themselves. But if not, you're going to look like the ass in the whole situation. You know, I had that situation with Vance Wilkins as well. You know, a uh, week before I was supposed to go out there for the initial speech and we had the back and forth. My situation purely addressed Danville, but he took a video that I made. And I was just really just throwing punches, jabs, all types of stuff. I was burning Danville leadership up. And at that time period, he wasn't used to somebody talking this way and seeing a massive amount of people back him. That's because I lived their story. If you're not from a particular area, you haven't lived their story. So you can't relate to what people are going through in a particular area if you're not from there. That's like me going and blasting Amherst and blasting him for whatever he has to say about him. And guess what? I've never been to the area. I don't know what those people have been through. I haven't even talked to them. But for me, I'm just going to go ahead and overgeneralize that this person should not be welcome in this particular situation. So, a couple of months later, I'm in Harrisonburg. They're seeing the work. I was like, this is what they need to see. They need to see the work. They need to see the effort. They need to see, this is you. You don't back down from nobody. That's going to resonate with them because they're like, Dad, I expected him to run and, you know, be underneath the carpet, you know, underneath the rug, hiding, you know, um, you know, toning it down, and they're like, damn, he done ramped it up. He's like, okay, um, this didn't work. And when people find out this doesn't work for them, then they start realizing more and more people are gravitating to them. Then now you start seeing, oh, snap, people are basically, if you're a leader, you start looking at the people around you, start hearing the voices around you, you start taking in more at this time frame because you're more open because now you're becoming vulnerable because you're looking at the side that is saying, we like him. You know, I don't know why you blackballed. I don't know why you did this, but it clearly is not working because he's still doing what he needs to do and hasn't changed. 
So it sets that tone that you're going to be consistent. You're not going to run from a fight. You're going to be in there in the trenches. If you feel you're right, you're right. If you feel you're wrong, you're wrong. But isn't that the same thing that those chairmen was doing when they thought it was cool to blackball and all this? And you got those rugged, raw, hardcore Republicans who say it like it is. When um, that presidential candidate, I'm not even going to say his name because I'm not going to give him any extra airplay. But he was trying to take people's guns, getting bold about it. We're going to take your guns. We're going to take that AR-15. He was being specific. And I'm like, whoa. So I speak my mind. So I can't help but call that Texan a little fucker is trying to take your guns because he clearly didn't get no sound advice from his campaign that this may not be the situation to touch. Oh, my God. When I go ahead and shoot it right there on my page, shoot it everywhere else. Oh, the language gets I'm, I'm like shot because I'm like. I'm talking like this automatically because that's me. I'm genuine. I call bullshit like it is. Bullshit. And those Second Amendment supporters, those gun rights supporters, oh, they were saying everything that they could. So then the vice chairman for the Six Jamasai, me and him, you'll be shocked. You'll think we don't get along or we just have a very chaotic type of relationship or whatever you'll think this would be normally who i'll be telling go fuck yourself and shockingly i have a huge amount of respect for him vice versa and that's because you can tell he's a raw speaker he says what's on his mind if he agrees he don't agree but he doesn't sugarcoat so when you have that type of person and you have yourself who's exactly that type of person we're like, okay, we don't agree, but we respect the fact on how you came at us. And we respect the fact because we know the work you put in. We know that you're a straight shooter. You know what I'm saying? That's how you speak. It doesn't mean I'm going to bow down to you, but you can see even during that conversation, he's like, I'm not going to send a message to uh, Jennifer Brown, but I already had sent the message because we already know the flunkies is following Everything I say, especially when those names come up, Denver Riggleman, when that name comes up, me calling him a milkshake, me calling him a liar, me calling him for doing something that he should have told people he was doing before he did it. It's just the way you go about it. But at the same time period, one thing about him, he wasn't saying I'm banning you, I'm blocking you from speaking to my members or whatever it may be, because I go where I want, where I want, how I want. So I want to go to Harrisonburg, I'm going to go to Harrisonburg. So I want to go to that meeting, I'm going to go to the meeting. That's because you need to do whatever you need to do to me face-to-face. -face. If you can't do that, then there's no point in me respecting you. Because for me personally, when I came in this campaign, I said it's going to get nasty, it's going to get ruthless, you know, this is campaigns. No matter how many people say they're going to run a clean campaign, trust me, the tax is coming. That's all All that is. All that is to make you comfortable so you're caught off guard. You can't be that much caught off guard if you're playing offense and not just playing defense. And that's what we decided to do. We decided to spin this bad press. So I want to just have people see those screenshots 
of what he was saying directly because a lot of times, friends, you don't follow every single back and forth thread of any kind of controversy. You may see it, but you may just say, oh, well, that looks a certain way. But then if you start enhancing what somebody is saying and you've seen that part, you'll never speak here, you'll never get invited here and vice versa, but we both Republicans. But the same person you're telling not to speak, you've been letting other speakers speak at those same places, get invited to those same fundraisers in the newspaper for saying the same exact language. They was there. I saw it. I saw them there. I saw them in the primaries. I saw them in the debates. I saw them actually win. See, sometimes the most honest person is the person who talks raw and real to the people. That's what they understand. That's what they expect. But most of the time, Frank, they just get in a nice little flyer or pamphlet in their mailbox, which annoys people. And it's saying this nice little biography and saying, okay, this is where I stand on this. or This is where I stand on that. It's like reading the same thing over and over and over again. And you're saying to yourself, please, if you send this type of stuff, please talk to me and talk to others like you're running without being a robot or somebody pushing the buttons to say, hey, this is a copy. This is all this is, is a copy of what the last person said that male one. But you, on the other hand, know you want to tell the people more. You want to go ahead and put a risk out there on how your policies may help what you think about. And you got this person pistol pushing on the sidelines saying, don't say that. Don't do this. That may be what people need to hear. And that's what they're getting from me. They're getting me uncensored, unedited. When I send out a post, I'm not worried if there's one misspelling. I use most of the time, I'm on a mobile phone that uses autocorrect. And we all know how annoying autocorrect. You could be saying whatever and you mean to say it as harsh as possible autocorrect is like boom say it lighter say it lighter and by the time for you hit enter you like that ain't what i said <laughs> you know what i'm saying i meant it this way so i think right now what they're getting now is more honest politicians or people running for office i don't consider myself a politician because i consider a politician uh, cardboard or a teleprompter and that's all you are you're just a walking teleprompter of the same thing somebody else says without having no personal views or whatever and if you do you try to be as silent as possible instead of telling people this is how i really feel about a particular issue pro-life pro-guns uh, how you feel about religious views as it applies to how far government should be in your business, how you feel about smaller government, how you feel about military, what do you plan to do there, how you feel about, you know, the ordinary citizen that's struggling right now, how do you plan to help them, how do you feel about the criminal justice system, how do you plan to help them, okay, what problems do you see, you know, with the system that can go ahead and benefit people, and I'm like, right now, I'm like, People want a second chance because they know they ain't perfect. And at this time frame, people are starting to be more politically incorrect because when they were politically correct, people would not acknowledge them. They would not acknowledge the problem, but they acknowledge the special interest, putting money in their pockets. And that's what's been running government. 
you know, it, it's not just uh, Republicans. You think, oh, that special interest, all this other stuff. Right now, we are the ones holding the line on consistent values. Democrats is now just throwing everything, you know, against the wall that fits. Oh, if you elect me, I'm going to cure cancer. If you elect me, I'm going to wipe out college debt. If you elect me, I'm going to take all the guns so we can have gun controls and have uh, peaceful neighborhoods. I'm like, you can't have a peaceful neighborhood without guns because guess what? What does somebody who is carrying a gun, they ain't looking for peace. How do you stop them? And how have they normally been stopped? They've been stopped by a good guy with a gun in order to stop the habit. You know, um, it's, it's like basically saying we're going to take away everything so the criminals can run over. And what the Republicans are saying, basically, no, uh, uh-uh, we ain't allowing that. We know what's going to come with that. Y'all thinking about the short term. We think about the long term. You know, illegal immigration, you know, and people trying to force their way into America and stuff like that and try to skip the line. You know, they think about the short term. Oh, we could get voters. Oh, we could get, you know, um, change the population here in America. So we can go ahead and have our viewpoints done. And, you know, it's encouraging voter fraud. It's encouraging people to jump the line. It's encouraging people to cheat. It's encouraging people to come to America and find out that they can do whatever they want. You know what I'm saying? If you can't control drugs getting across the border, what the hell do you think you're going to do if you can't control the people who come across the border with the drugs or come across the border looking for crime, come across the border looking to skip that line? You become a network for criminal behavior instead of a place that says, hey, we have laws and rules and regulations that we do go by to protect the American citizen first. And if you meet that criteria to show that you are coming here to America to not only be a law abiding citizen, but to help build and build your legacy here in America under hard work and dedication, not under crime and being savage, then that's the difference of the story. But it's so many people thinking short term and long term. And I'm like this with me. I'm telling you how it is. I'm telling you how it's going in, you know socialism you know i'm telling you from a person at the dinner table this is how i'm going to tell you and explain it they're trying to limit who you want to be so if you want to be a firefighter instead of a garbage man if you're under socialism if they believe you should be a garbage man you're going to be a garbage man and you better not think about being anything else than a garbage man so that's going to resonate that way where they understand that oh snap! So if I want to be something else, all this stuff that teachers tell me you can be who you want to be. Socialism does not give out that type of philosophy. It doesn't give out that type of teaching. It actually says that doesn't happen if it happens in America and socialists take over America. It's saying basically, no, we are telling you what you can and cannot be, and. That bothers free markets. It bothers businesses. It just basically selects who can be rich and who can be poor. That's all socialism is. On the Republicans, we saying, hey, if you want to keep making money, keep making money. If you want to keep doing this, keep doing this. But we are not going to stop you unless you break the law. But you don't want the law to say, we stop you. That's the law. We stop you from becoming who you want to become. And if you find out that more Republicans and conservatives are being stronger in language and being stronger in bond 
and brotherhood and sisterhood and they are flying off the handle because they are seeing this destruction happening and I'm sorry talking nice and talking light is not going to help us in this type of situation we want people to hear we want people to what what did you say now you're paying attention compared to somebody you know how you um get off a train or go somewhere and you see somebody asking for money and stuff like that and you keep walking past like you didn't hear them you know you just want to keep going on about your business you know that's that's what it's going to become you know what i'm saying because people just going to keep walking past going about their business and saying that you need to hear or something that you need to know about or whatever that can help you out in your daily routine help you out in life help you out in society you no longer have that around you because now you're walking the past you walk in the past not trying to hear anything trying to ignore anything or whatever you no longer have your own mind to decide your choices on whether you do this whether you do that because it's already been answered for you and you have come to accept not knowing more except for what this one source of information gives you is is law so that's why i'm like with me, and I'm getting out this tough language because guess what? When I'm at the dinner table, and we all got families and all this other stuff, what are you doing at that dinner table? You may if you pray before you eat, or of course, or you in the living room and it's family time. And during that time frame, people are talking. They're talking about issues. They are really letting it fly at that time period because. Now, it used to be out there in the public protesting and more and stuff like that. Now, they feel like, I can't even do that. Now, I need to hide further. Now, I'm in my house now. You know, I used to have the sidewalk. But now, I'm in the house now trying to convince people in my household privately because I'm worried about if somebody else hears it. I got to be careful of who I have to be or who I... Be. That's socialism. You see what I'm saying? That's socialism. All it is is bringing you more and more hiding, taking away who you are, taking your legacy, taking your tradition. That's socialism. That's why you started seeing them take away monuments because they didn't want you to know about the history because you start taking away monuments, artifacts, um, books, and more. You know, constitutional rights and guarantees that we have had from the beginning, the U.S. Supreme Court has protected and also other presidents and other lawmakers have fought for it, as well as those soldiers who have died for it. And it hasn't just always been uniform. Get it? But why are they trying to take it away? Because they're trying to control what you learn, what you know. See what I'm saying? That's socialism. So that's why you started seeing me going after them when they started going after monuments. You, I was like, shoot, even with Norfolk, Virginia, you saw how quickly they backed off. But I was like, hold on, I saw a newspaper. I'm like, oh, I'm going to the Norfolk City Council meeting. You know, and I walked into a room full of Democrats and liberals. Most of the people up there was Democrats and liberals. And trust me, I had a couple of, you know, applause up there. I know that it was Republicans, but I'm in a Democratic leaning city, you know, and I'm coming in telling them, what you going to do, start taking away kids' field trips because you're worried about what they may learn on a field trip? That's 
we've been learning that type of stuff and making our own opinion about what we learned about for quite some time. Now you're trying to take it away. So that's why I fought so hard because I'm like, if you take away somebody's history, what's going to stop you from coming back and taking away ours? And what's happening? That's the thing. While they were taking away Confederate monuments, they was taking away other monuments quickly. Michael Jackson is a problem. They was take they was taking more of his statues and more of his history than they was the Confederate monuments. Get what I'm saying? All it was was a way to get in and start practicing on how to remove things we don't want in society. That's socialism. You know what I'm saying? Republicans are saying basically, right or wrong, you know, you have choice in what you learn about, what you know about, but you know you have the laws to follow. You know what I'm saying? But those laws at that t- at this time period is protecting your right of expression, is protecting your right of freedom, your right to protest, your rights to this, because now we're protesting out there a lot harder than what we was before. So be mindful of what you follow and you take in from the short term. Because a speaker like me is telling you about the short term and the long term. But I'm telling you my way. And I'm so glad I live in America and not a socialist country because I have the opportunity, like so many other Republicans, to make sure America keeps moving forward and making America great again. So this is Merle Rutledge Jones podcast. And just discussing exactly, you know, we need to be stronger than ever for the red wave for 2020, 2021. We need to bring it. We need a new Republican attitude, and that's what I'm bringing. So when people try to blackball or hide or whatever it may be, these speakers or these Republicans like me and vice versa, because you could see all my philosophies in straight talk. I'm hitting directly at you. That's why people love me. So. If you want that type of candidate, this is me, the straight shooter. No bullshit. Straight giving you what you want to hear, what you need to hear, and knowing that I'm going to fight. Because you can find any candidate out there. They've been in public office. You know their record, and you know that they don't have that type of fight to change up Richmond, change up D.C. You put Trump in to change up D.C. Guess what? We're getting great results right now because we need an outsider Outside of the politics, outside of special interest, somebody who couldn't be bought. Now look at the results. We got more unity. We got more American pride and stuff like that. So when people are talking about devaluing us, oh, we ain't just taking that shit anymore. And now Richmond, Virginia, they need it badly now because these dinosaur policies and stuff like that, they ain't helping the average citizen. We need our farmers back to work. We need our jobs back. We need for people to know when we say jobs is coming, they are coming. Because you can see, look at the governor's policy, all them job announcements and all that. How many jobs are still there? How many campaign promises he has made and hasn't happened? And guess what they always do? They go to marijuana. They always do that. Now they go into this and say, oh, we need to call the legalized. You had four years. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And we got farmers stopped. You know, we got police having to use resources to arrest people for such a minor situation. You know what? Just mind y'all business. Get government out of their bedroom and household. If they ain't bothering you, don't worry about them. 
Let's go ahead and make America about a place that we can be free to be who we want to be. Not socialism where y'all limit who we can be. So I'm out. I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast. Merle Rutledge speaking on this on a hot mic, being real with you. And y'all have yourself, you know what I'm saying, a wonderful weekend. And anytime frame you need to hit me up, ask me about policies or one know my policy. I have a WordPress. You can also do a search and say, how does Merle Rutledge feel on this issue? is going to pop right up for you. And like I said, I speak my mind. I don't sugarcoat. I don't mince words. That's because I'm a Republican, conservative, strong, and definitely got the fortitude to lead Virginia to the next century. Whoa, they really, really trying to get to Brett Kavanaugh, our Supreme Court justice, over a new allegation. And the allegation, oh my God, this, this was in college. Uh, decades ago. However, it doesn't come up until he's a U.S. Supreme Court justice. Like, they forgot to bring up these allegations when he was a federal judge. Oh, no, that wasn't good enough. He wasn't high enough. So now we got to bring it up now, decades ago. Now, trust me, anybody been to college anybody who has been to college and popular or just been to college in general you have a lot of things that you don't want out there now it seems like it's a sexist agenda because it wasn't a problem for all this time now it's a problem because he's the Supreme Court Justice. Ooh. I'm like, you have a better things to do. It wasn't bothering you while you was a normal citizen. It wasn't bothering you when you was graduating college. It didn't bother you after he was moving on. You didn't speak up on it. Nothing but now, he's a U.S. Supreme Court Justice. Now I'm starting to question people's motives. Because it seems like what happened decades and decades ago. And you can know this is the same argument you could bring up with the Confederate monuments and other monuments that people remove and history that people try to remove. That they try to bring up anything in history to try to destroy your legacy. Destroy your hard work. Destroy who you are as a person. Over what one day. And now mind you. There's no way to prove. Whether this happened. Or didn't happen. No way to prove it. There's no physical evidence. This is somebody's story. Against somebody else's story. But this is decades ago. But now you can remember this story. So well it bothers you now. That's totally unfair. That's like basically saying, I personally tainted and corrupted the evidence that would be used against this person. But because of my due dil- failure of due diligence and my condemnation, 
there's no way to prove what happened, but you want to feel like a victim again. No, it's about attention. People want their names and who they are out there. It's being used for attention. It's not being used for justice. And that's where the biggest problem is because people want to take action on valid complaints, complaints that they can investigate, that they know will have merit to stand up against the test of the evidence and the totality of the circumstance. But the totality of the circumstance is now so long ago. How do we know if the evidence is truly factual? How do we know the statement actually occurred? How can we prove it? So I can't hang somebody out to dry and you got Ruth Bader Ginsburg, another Supreme Court justice, also vouching for this guy's credibility. President Trump vouching for this guy's credibility because it's a common sense call. This ain't about the fact of whether you were violated or not. It's about the fact we can't prove it. And that's what the system of justice or laws is supposed to be about, about things we can prove. That's why prosecutors come back and say, we can't try this case because of the sufficiency of the evidence, that the evidence is tainted or the evidence has become corrupt to the point that we can no longer vouch for its credibility. So at this time period, we have a Supreme Court justice getting attacked over an allegation that nobody can prove. And this happened a long time ago. Let's see forward. She's like, oh, I want y'all to know what happened, but I don't want to remove him as a Supreme Court justice. So why are you bringing it up now? All about attention. All about money. All about everything to have a name out there, even if it's bad press. So be careful when running around trying to believe everything that comes out because sometimes it ain't true. So now this also brings up the situation with Antonio Brown. You know, he's now playing for the New England Patriots. We all know the owner of the New England Patriots is a Trump supporter. Republican. Now, mind you, while Antonio Brown was playing for Oakland Raiders, nothing came of this. When you're playing for Pittsburgh Steelers, nothing came of it. But when he started playing for New England Patriots, all of a sudden, wow, there's a rape allegation. And it didn't take me that long to figure this out because this is where Me Too movement has to really start changing up their strategy and their approach to rape victims and allegations that come out. We are all tough on rape allegations. We understand the seriousness, but we also understand if that person's lying, how much somebody's life can change. And what do you do about those victims? How do you restore their reputation? And a lot of times, friends, you don't hear nothing else from me too. They just move on to the next allegation. Now, when, now to get back to on track to Antonio Brown, I was reading this. I was reading this. This whole lawsuit. I said, he's going to be back on the field playing next week without no problem. Now, this is the whole bit of the lawsuit. Female trainer says she was raped repeatedly 
by Antonio Brown. First time, she was raped. Then Antonio Brown hires again to be a trainer again. She takes the job. She's raped again. Then again, Antonio Brown, I guess, likes this trainer, hires her again. She says she was raped again. How many different times do you have to get hired to get raped? But you keep taking the job at different points in time, and now you're saying you're being raped. Only time frame this allegation comes up, suit gets dropped as soon as he signs off on a $15 million deal with the New England Patriots. Why was this lawsuit brought up? I could think about it and figure it out real quickly. Antonio Brown named big name in football. New England Patriots. Trump supporter is, uh, is the owner of the New England Patriots. Now this comes out because the lawsuit now can get the attention. It can start spinning and hopefully pressure Antonio Brown or New England Patriots to pressure Antonio Brown to settle the suit, give out a bunch of money to quiet it down. This looks like blackmail and extortion to me. That's my opinion of it. Because you need to go ahead and force the issue. Wasn't good enough with the Oakland Raiders. Wasn't good enough with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now it's good enough to go ahead and bring out. But you could have brought this up the first time you got raped. You got brought up the second time you got raped. No. And mind you, this is different points in time. Different isolated events where the trainer keeps taking a job for Antonio Brown, which is her rapist. Now, I said within, right after the article, I said, this ain't rape. This looks like what I've been talking about. People throwing out allegations to get a story, get their name in the paper, get some press, and hopefully they can make it on to uh, Housewives or whatever it may be. Because you know they love this type of controversy. It becomes propaganda, propaganda, and a way for me to get my name out there. So when I'm looking for all this um uh contracts all this production all this stardom whatever it may be i got a controversial issue that maybe networks will pick up and i hope networks don't pick up on this type of stuff because it encourages people to continue to make allegations and these allegations don't make sense and then says because of a spiritual uh antonio brown destroyed her spirituality I'm like, wow. Hmm. So that's another claim of damages. And it's all for profit, not criminal charges. And I'm pretty sure if she told the cops the same thing, I'm pretty sure if they have common sense, uh, um, prosecutors had common sense, they didn't find criminal culpability in this. And not to say Antonio Brown could be guilty, but this ain't, this ain't right here. If this story is believed to be true, you kept going back for more. 
You was addicted to rape. I don't know too many rape victims addicted to rape, addicted to putting themselves back into the situation and more. You talk to rape victims, they'll tell you the complete opposite is what this woman is doing. And yes, there's plenty of celebrities, plenty of people that are straight up assholes, but those people are going to say, hey, that know them, they're assholes, but doesn't mean they are rapists. There's a difference. People could be jackasses all they want. Doesn't mean that they are rapists. We have too many people in jail. Look at Brian Banks. Rape allegation. He's free. Could have been a promising football player a long time ago. Had his career held back a long time ago. And is free because of a false rape accusation. Unfortunately, the person came forward to say that they was not raped, but he would still be in jail. When is Me Too, when are fake rape victims going to be held accountable? And I get asked this a lot of times because I'm dealing with a fake rape case and more where I'm advocating for someone who everybody in the public knows didn't rape this woman, but still at the same time period, is, is continuous where people are saying, when are we going to start holding accountable? And these are women. Most of the time frame, this is coming from women. Men normally tend to stay silent on it and let the women address this issue. Doesn't mean men can't get raped. It just means the majority that I hear from about holding fake rape victims or those who lie under oath more accountable is coming full circle. Is a lot more momentum for it because people are seeing what the other side goes through during that time frame, being charged, being processed in jail, having to pay a bond if you even get a bond, and then having to go through this process to find out the last victim made it up. And the sad thing is, it's so much evidence early on because a lot of time frames when somebody gets accused of rape or whatever. And there's a community that knows the rape victim. That could be a, a opiate addict. It could be a known liar. Uh, previous exes has said she has made or he has made these same accusations before in order to maintain a relationship, maintain a job, maintain some kind of benefit in the meantime. And then you have a rape victim holding not only the fake rape victim holding not only somebody's life in their hand, but also hijacking the legal system. And I know some would say, why didn't the police figure this out? Why didn't the detective figure this out? Why didn't, you know, it was all this out there. Y'all gotta be reminded. They have thousands on thousands of cases. And when some seems, you know, open and shut or Without more, they don't have access to it because they're trying to close the mouth so the prosecution can get the case and handle it from there. They are not going back interviewing all these different people who know about this particular uh, person and th that could be helpful to the investigation because they got to put time to other cases. They got murder cases. They got more. So they don't have that time to interview 500 people and put a week into a case and realistically 
that's how much time unless somebody tells them to go back and look into it. Because at that time period, most of focusing on the fact who's trying to damage the credibility of the accused, the accuser. And sometimes it's not damaging the credibility of the accuser. There's just information out there that needs to be known about the accuser. That's why I think at this time frame, the rape shield law is going to have to have changes and more. And what is allowed as evidence is going to have to have changes and more. We have too many people all across this country falsely accused of sexual assaults and more, just like sexual assaults are actually being prosecuted and justice being done. But the thing is, I do not like cases like most people. It's like watching the ID channel or an episode on, you know, uh, about what some people feel is innocence and what other people feel is guilt. And all sides, oh, I would have reasonable doubt. I don't know if I could have came up with that verdict. And that's because the evidence is so much in dispute. In a lot of time frames, juries, it's just like regular people. They want to go home. So sometimes they tend to go not go with not justice, but okay, if the majority seven people say there's guilty and five people say it's not guilty, then you also gotta weigh the fact how many people really just wanted to go home, even though they felt the person was still not guilty. So they changed over to being guilty just to go home. That be honest about it. We are human beings, trust me. You know, there's meetings I go to, and I will sit there and say, wow, I can't wait until this is over. Wow. Okay. And you start injecting things into the meeting and say, let's speed this up because we have other things to do. Doesn't mean it's not important. Like a verdict, it's important. It's just the fact that you are ready to go home and be with your families. So today. But. It's no longer we can just believe that people are guilty beyond a reasonable doubt and people are treated as guilty before and having to prove their innocence because now with social media, the newspapers and more out there, what do the police and the prosecution put out there in the paper? Even if somebody's innocent, how do they first address the issue when they make an arrest? They're out there saying, this is why this person is guilty. And then, like, you know, Brett Kavanaugh and other legislators and other celebrities and people in general that have been in this situation, they haven't. They've been connected to somebody who's been in that situation and advocated for their innocence. And what do we do here? I do feel like we need to take a big look Women who are sexual, real sexual assault victims, that evidence was truly there to convict, as well as those who have been released from jail based off a of false accusation. They need to be on this panel with a few prosecutors and detectives who has investigated both sides, both sides, the victim and the, victim, uh, the fake victim and say to themselves, how can we make this system better for justice? And realistically, right now, the way the laws is, is like, you can't 
bring up this one past. You can't, but you're bringing up everything from his present and saying that the past doesn't matter. But his past will be brought in if he has a felony. His past will be brought in if it's a situation that the court finds at their discretion should be brought in. So, as much as what we wanted to do is protect the victim, yes, you want to protect the victim, but you want to make sure that person is a victim. So, that's what I have to say here. It's just like one of those type of things where, you know, if things happened that long ago and didn't bother you for that long ago, then what's going on with you now to bring it up now? And it doesn't mean you're being silent, but decades and decades ago, who can prove your side or their side? Nobody can. So are you bringing this issue up because you're truly a victim or are you bringing it up because you want attention? And that's where people have to understand because when you bring up these allegations, trust me, and it's a big a big thing out there. It's all over the papers and more. Your life is going to come up in those papers whether it comes up at trial or not. It's going to come up in the jury of those people on Facebook, LinkedIn, Yahoo, Kick, Snapchat, Instagram. They all on it, so they all seeing it. So now it's not too much you can hide at this point because somebody's going to release your name. Especially, even if it's under bad faith, they're going to release your name. So we need to start looking at modern times and modern technology and how it's applied and whether laws have become chaotic and more destructive than they have became good or relevant or sound policy. And we have to start looking at this because like somebody said a long time ago, I'd rather let 10 guilty men go free than have one innocent man in jail for something that they have not done. So I hope by me running for governor as well as me winning um, that anybody following suit will start to look at what's happening now and how we can do things to fairly um, have justice in our system. Not send more people that are innocent to jail, but be more efficient in making sure guilty people are actually punished and those who um, bring out false accusations are adequately punished. Because, I'm sorry, two years for somebody who lied for 36 years and this has happened and then came forward and said, hey, I dreamed of rape, but this person actually didn't rape me. We know we know about that case, too. 36 years over a dream. So, to all those, this is Merle Rutledge. The 2021 GOP candidate for governor of Virginia, running for that primary nomination. Just giving out a little straight talk, but this is something that we really, really have to look at and really have to address. So, at this time period, I'm signing out. I'm about to enjoy my weekend here in Virginia Beach, and y'all have a wonderful weekend. And I'll be back on tomorrow to give a little bit more of the straight talk because one of the few candidates out there that can just give out straight talk, not bite their tongue, don't mince words, 
about what's really going on here in America and making sure that America is great again and mega all the way. Hello, this is Merle Rutledge's podcast. This is the 2021 Republican candidate for governor of Virginia for the primary nomination. And today we'll discuss things about um, citizens and constituents. Um, take it back to their communities. You know, there's a lot of talk about drugs, gang violence, and sudden tragedies that keep occurring in communities. Not just in Virginia cities and, you know, towns and, or whatever, but of course all over this country, like Chicago, California, and many other areas that face uh, violence that ends in tragedies and fatalities and constant police investigations. Now, a lot of this comes from the change in generations and the baby boom, you know. And parents raising kids and they're young themselves. So a lot of time frames, kids raising kids inject the kid mentality when it comes down to um, dispute resolution and how they carry things out. And when I was growing up, I grew up in Irvington, New Jersey. Now, I'm not saying that city at that time frame was the best, the best, but we didn't have at that time period a bunch of shootouts. We was getting to that point where fights became shootings more and more. But most cities, even Chicago and the rest, have a similar characteristic when it comes down to um, dealing with violence and more as the baby boom generation started to become more and more than that. And on my block, I, I live and I lived off of Brighton Terrace and um, New Jersey, which is um, right by um, uh, Berkeley Elementary School, about a couple of blocks down. And I lived in New Jersey for 10 years, 10 years. And this was um, since I was a baby all the way up to elementary school, I believe fourth grade. Um, no, not fourth grade, to the fifth grade. And our block there was one thing, it was a family unit. Everybody's block was a family unit. And if we had a uh, problem with another block, it was fights. It was a fight, you know, hand-to-hand. It wasn't no shit. You know, when people pulled out the guns, it was like, whoa, hold on, y'all taking this taking this too far. This is how we handle problems. We don't handle problems like that where you ain't coming back from. People was more scared uh, the gun and people was like, yo, stop it. Even the hardest people was like, yo, yo, chill, chill out. And on my block, we play take ball. Well, you can't afford a baseball. Plus, you don't want to be playing baseball in the neighborhood and breaking people's windows. So, you can't have a hard baseball out there <laughs> at all. So, we used to just tape up a ball you know, and play ball. That was just our thing, you know. And with that being said, you know, we had the older generation, which everybody respected, even the ones in high school getting ready to become seniors and stuff like that, get ready to move on in life. The one thing they would tell you, you know, when you came onto the block, 
all that nonsense if it wasn't brotherly and sisterly oh you had the whole generation out there the older generation out there setting it right you know I could be walking down the street I'm horse playing and stuff like that but if they see me acting up you know they'll come out and check you you know and you'll end up on the house and it's like yo if we catch it we're going to go ahead and put a stop to it whether your parent is there or not you know and that's how block ran you know you'll try to get away with stuff but you knew not to get caught by the older generation because one they'll set you straight and then your parents will set you straight so you did not want them coming back on you and but the thing is they did not only just do the discipline the punishment you could be walking down the block and they'll be like yo we got milk and cookies you know what i'm saying which is a big thing for us kids we like yo I, you know, we definitely doing that part. And we used to call, even though they wasn't blood related, we used to call them uncle or aunt, you know what I'm saying? Grandma was somebody's grandma. We were calling them grandma and stuff like that. And they'll be checking in on us. They'd be like, how's your grades and stuff like that? Let me see your report card. Because they would be also like, yo, here's some couple of dollars for a great report card. It was always this um, recycling for reward of good behavior and is recycling <laughs> discipline for bad bad behavior and that's what it was that's what was so beautiful growing up but then it started changing more you know drugs became more prevalent in the communities and people was breaking in the houses and it wasn't people from another block because people around the blocks didn't want to go around other blocks because it was seemed like a violation unless you was invited and unless you was related to somebody you don't walk on anybody's block by yourself and and think it was cool that was like a sign of disrespect so you could get a lot from what president trump and so many other leaders are doing they're basically like um you in your country but don't come into this country unless you get permission or it's going to be a problem. None different from what the block was at that time period. So that's why I don't understand why people are like, oh, you're all uptight about the borders and all this. No, it's about instilling discipline. It's about instilling law and orders. It's making sure you're accountable for when you do good and also accountable when you break the law. That's what it is, and holding the right person responsible, not somebody else who had nothing to do with it, but they just look like you. So they're held accountable on your behalf. We all have to have some kind of self-accountability. But to get to this point of the story, to get it back to where the focus is, because I like to relate certain things, uh, especially when it deals with my politics and government and more and what we're doing and how um, it started a lot from people on their blocks because everybody had the neighborhood. Everybody. And you had this reinforcement. And that's why uh, a lot of people in these areas that was the discipline areas and more, they start picking up and leaving. A lot of times people say, oh, the white folks did the gentrification and left out to, you know, these new areas to get away from black people. Um, people left our neighborhoods to get away from 
you know, a bad community. My mom uprooted us out of Irvington, New Jersey after it started getting bad. What was happening away from our blocks was coming to our block and was spreading. Whether it's shooting, people getting beat up just for walking home for no reason, people get robbed, um, you know, people get shot over sneakers and stuff like that. These stories was coming out. So the best thing for parents to do if they had the resources was to say, I want my kid to be alive. So I'm going to move to more rural areas to the country and more, you know, or wherever. In the meantime, just give a couple more years to be away from all this chaos and violence that's going on. And in a lot of these areas, it was Democrat controlled. So, and most of these areas, you'll start recognizing a constant thing between, you know, serious crime, uh, crime ridden areas and places is that Democrats are running them, you know, on their city council or boards or whatever it may be. And they can't handle the problem because they're too busy lining their pockets. And now you got President Trump now having to go to California to straighten out some problems. Now you got the Chicago mayor asking President Trump for additional resources to handle the crime problems. You see what's happening? Because people was blinded to vote for just because you was a Democrat, but they wasn't looking at what you were doing in substance while you was in office. And that whole time frame, like I said, the devil works great when you don't know it exists. And now the baby boomers and the newer generation, now they got kids getting, having kids younger than when they were having kids. And now when somebody tries to tell them, you know, I was in the library, in Chesapeake Library, and this kid was acting up. The kid was acting up, no doubt about it. And an older gentleman said, hey, young man, can you calm down? And he didn't cuss at the kid, but he he, he gave a tone that said, you know, this is not acceptable. So instead of the mother um, thanking the older generation for being in place of a, not a father, but a stand-in mentor about how your kids should behave, she attacks him and says, uh, thank you for telling me that, but you don't talk to my kid like that. Basically, she had to have a last say-so about discipline and correct behavior. The man didn't hit the child. The man only told the child to stop because it was inappropriate in the place of where people are trying to learn, get a job, whatever it may be. A normal code of conduct, while you're in the library, talk quietly. What's so hard about that? The kid was yelling. And obviously, as a parent, you wasn't watching the kid at that time frame or taking control of the discipline. Had you, your kid would not have been acting in that way. So now you have the younger generation attacking the older generation. You see what I'm saying? And this happens a lot now. Now it's became a common thing. You see somebody online talking about, you see a cop who, you know, body slams a kid or um, goes kids to the side, whatever. Honestly, you don't realize 
that's how we was done on the block, you know, and we was acting up. And trust me, our parents didn't have the you know luxury of YouTube. But you wasn't disrespecting the older generation and even gang members that was older. They saw you disrespecting an elder. They checked you. And sometimes that check was an asshole. So y'all just got the fortunate circumstance of YouTube to make things look better than what it is. That was common territory. Common territory to get your butt but inside the school. Now they're like, oh, that's a felony assault. Um, from parents. Kids don't realize how good they have it right now. Right now, <laughs> you know, you got some extra protection. But back in the day, with all that going on, we didn't have all these shootings. You'll notice the increase in crime, the increase of the baby boomers and the younger generation having younger generations. And you start seeing the recycling of killing now as being justified. You start seeing the younger generation doing certain things that even parents were doing drugs, they didn't do it around their kids. They took care of the kids. They did it at night, whatever it may be. They wasn't out robbing, killing anybody. They may have had an addiction, but they didn't let the addiction take over their responsibilities of taking care of the kids. And when it went too far or whatever, they made sure that the kids was somewhere else and that started becoming the recycling factor meaning other people started taking care of their kids as it continued, as it progressed so grandmothers and grandfathers who were supposed to be retired are now taking care of other people's kids now as the drugs come in, they become the disciplinarians as kids come in and now when you start seeing graduation speeches you start seeing more and more kids thinking their grandmother and grandfather or their aunt and uncle or whatever have you for being there raising them. And what you secretly sometimes don't catch, they don't mention nothing about the mother or the father. Get it? So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get the community reminded about history. And that's a good thing. That's why you can't destroy history. People can understand what I'm saying right now. From the older generations to the younger generations, they can understand what I'm saying. You know, that's that's the key. They can understand what I'm saying. So, they can relate to that because they're like, yes, I remember that. Some of them are the ones who gave those graduation speeches. Some of them are the ones who, like me, came from neighborhoods like that. You know, and in the country, Oh, forget about it. They discipline without even knowing the whole story. <laughs> because they can tell a lot quicker when you was making up stuff and then from when you was telling the truth. And you didn't have the guns to protect you then. You only had your hands, and that's where it came into play. So... What I'm doing, even in my campaign, I'm just telling real stories, real factual stories. And I hope it helps people realize, hey, trust me, I understand. You're not perfect. I understand that. But we have a duty like how it recycled back into bad behavior and violence and death. We can go ahead and start recycling back against violence and being pro-life.
It's just the way you go about it. You, you attack, attack, attack without teaching. Because parents, even when they grew up, you know, was raising us, they taught us the reason why we was getting this money. They taught us the reason why we was getting rewarded. A lot of times, people don't teach the reason. They just do it, and people are lacking, you know, reason or any kind of, you know, knowledge of why something's happening. Now they're rewarding you for beating up somebody. Now they're rewarding you for selling drugs because they feel that's the way they need to survive because of their shelf falls. So I hope people, you know, play this back and say to themselves, government has a duty to protect the people, but we have a duty to also do it ourselves too. And that's the point. And the best way to do so is have leadership that recognize where common people came from where they came from because not every public official is a pencil pusher not every public official <laughs> you know had you know what I'm saying uh, a golden spoon or silver fork you know me a lot of public officials and who they gravitate to or touch in the mass the domination of people is because They've been those people and made decisions that worked out in their blessed to work out in their favor. So I hope this was an important lesson that was taught to a lot of people today about a little bit about me, a little bit about how I envision Virginia moving forward and America moving forward. We are we are not just saying what your country can do for you, like John F. Kennedy, but we want to see what we all can do for our country. And then when we start doing that, we start seeing more pride because of the hard work we put in to make America great again. Hello, this is Barrow the 2021 Republican running for the nomination of governor for Virginia. And today I would like to discuss a recent post I put up there on Facebook, LinkedIn, and a couple of other social media sites as well as Twitter in regards to the Colin Kaepernick uh, controversy that's been going on for quite some time and due to the fact he hasn't been signed has allowed the controversy basically to continue or be brought up but it has died down mostly but of course people have their opinions um, something is a black and white issue and Others feel like it's uh, American um, disrespect for the flag and for the Pledge of Allegiance. Of course, President Trump has discussed this on numerous occasions about the Colin Kaepernick controversy and how he feels that it's very anti-American for what he's doing. So I put up a post in regards to my view in regards to it, because as a leader, and of course as a candidate running for governor of Virginia, it's going to be brought up one way or the other, whether it's brought up by liberal uh, media or just in general discussion. So sometimes I like to give out my opinion ahead of time to help further, you know, uh, remedy or, of course, my opinion in regards to it so people know where I stand clearly compared to hearing it or getting it from behind the scenes. And basically, this is my opinion about it. You know, America is not perfect. 
we all know it, you know. Um, Virginia, any place is not perfect. That's part of society. And the fact is, when people disrespect the flag or the Pledge of Allegiance or kneel in protest about a social justice issue, um, the American flag, American history, and the American spirit, and all those who have fought, led, and more for America, it is disrespectful when it's done from those who have not done so. And it doesn't mean your story is less of a contribution to, of course, um, the American dream and hope for a better future and for the pursuit of happiness. But you have to understand why people find it so disrespectful. You know, we all have a story of how we was brought up, how we was raised, the obstacles, the trials and tribulations, whether it was race-related or whether it was work-related or um, society-related. But that makes us stronger when we survive those type of encounters and more. And it makes it more so for pride and the fact that you did all of this in America. You worked hard in America to build your dream. Um, your dreams of a pursuit for happiness when you feel that you have accomplished your goal here in America. That pride that comes with it, that hard work, you remember it more because it wasn't easy to obtain. It was the fact of what you've been through. That's the testimony of the American spirit and what America has to offer. It's not supposed to be handed to you or given to you. It's something that you take on and you use that to help your family and your generations know how hard and how much work and how much you don't give up to be here in America and live and fulfill your dreams. So it's one thing for a soldier to kneel before a fallen soldier or at their grave and respect and tribute for their sacrifice for this country. And those soldiers will not be allowed to walk back to the doors of their homes anymore, they are gone. And their families is left behind to celebrate who they are and, of course, become who they will be. But there's a separation from that out of respect and tribute than for an athlete to then say that America has fallen short on how it handles police brutality or the social ills that go on here in America. The fact is, even for an individual more, to make change more, you must have America on your side and be willing to go ahead and have those discussions and um, dialogue in regards to 
your freedom of speech to represent that there are issues that you would like to have addressed and that you are willing to work hard for it. But it's hard to have anybody listen to you while you disrespecting and insulting who they are. We all are Americans. We don't have a need to disrespect America for what some politicians or public servants don't do. And we don't disrespect America because people disagree in regards to how they handle a particular situation. We walk the streets and have neighbors and friends from all over here in America that brings up a variety of social justice issues and more. But the fact is, we are one nation under God, and we must stay together with unity to know that the American flag that we all are here to protect and serve and hold us all accountable will be always respected next to God, but God being far above and far removed from any blame of what humans do. There are evil people no matter where you go and no matter where you're at. And don't let those individuals you have cause hurt, pain, and burden in your life or in other people's lives. Take hold of what you do and put others into your controversy in a negative fashion that doesn't further the cause against what you are standing for and what you believe is ignored. We have so many different disagreements that go on here in America, but the respect to know that the American flag and what we are here for in this country is for law-abiding citizens to live in peace and respect each other, not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. But if you hold the American flag and feel that America is against you, you have lost sight of what you're trying to bring out and speak about and bring attention to because we are now focusing on the fact that we all are being disrespected for what you feel should be handled in this type of fashion and manner. When we kneel or bow down our heads, whether it's bloody and unbowed, we normally have those moments for times in which we persevere and we succeed and conquer any enemy or any obstacle that we have in front of us. And to know that we do it with pride and respect for all those who actually sacrifice, who actually died for this country, that actually bled, that sweat and tears, all that training, all that hostility, being on enemy lines and being on the ground and in the trenches and the foxholes. Places that so many people have never been and nor would understand unless they've been there, the trials and tribulations that they go through. And they do it on behalf of America. Those families out there that deal with soldiers that come back 
with the history of war as they go through PTSD and many more illnesses. But they did it for the love of country and their families take care of them. Just like America takes care of them. Because we know that when you're faced in these type of situations, it's hard to be normal and have your normal way of life. But you fight for it. You fight for your family. Your family fights for you. That's America. So why will we kneel down and sacrifice ourselves on behalf of enemies, foreign or domestic, and kneel down on our own flag? So they can say that they have won as we tear each other from the inside to the outside. The fact is what President Trump was trying to remind people all over this country that the flag has nothing to do with your individual quarrels. You have been able to make a success out of your life based off the fact that America has moved forward. And puts you in a position in which you can speak out and make change. But sometimes in the way people speak out doesn't realize as much as you feel that police are being disrespectful to citizens based off the color of their skin. You are being disrespectful to those citizens by disrespecting the flag, the Pledge of Allegiance, and America because they are all Americans. When Osama bin Laden was killed, and you could hear from stadiums to streets and to neighbors all over as they went outside to yell out USA, USA, USA. That's because America fights back. We don't kneel down. And when you do so, you're kneeling down on all those who stormed the beaches of Normandy. Those who went to Iraq. Those who was poor and became rich off of making a successful business from the ground up. Those athletes that worked hard and trained to become professionals in their art and craft. To all those on street corners looking for hope and finding out that their life can change. To all those who go to church and give out testimony of how good God has been to them. All these stories go on here in America. We kneel before our God, but we don't kneel before our flag. There's a difference. And when those who make these type of moves and don't realize the impact that it has all over and how it dilutes their message. Understand that their message in America is still the land of the free. Not perfect. But its imperfections makes us flawless with sacrifice. And look at any other country. There's no other country better than the United States of America. And that's exactly the way it will be and stay. As long as we all know that we respect the flag. We kneel for country.
but we stand up on behalf of those who can't stand up for themselves anymore. That we continue to pledge allegiance to the United States of America, the country we all love and we behold. This is Merle Rutledge, 2021 candidate, Republican for governor of Virginia nomination.